0: Tonight's episode of Nightmare University is brought to you by Fangoria.com. Your homepage for horror is here. Fangoria.com is now live and brimming with the digital horror content you crave. Fangoria.com is your destination for all the stories that couldn't fit in the physical magazine. Long-form pieces, deep dives, daily thoughts from the biggest names in horror, exclusive access to the Fangoria vaults, as well as a constant curation of our favorite links from across the internet. Right now, all subscribers to the magazine are automatically members of Fangoria.com and is promised the content of the new issues will forever be print only. If you're not already a subscriber, check out the new Fangoria.com for yourself and see the horror right before your eyes. Fangoria.com Roses are red, violets are blue, My Bloody Valentine 3D is back just for you. Fright Rags has brought back their popular My Bloody Valentine 3D shirt as well as all new socks featuring the bloody miner himself. Don't spend the 14th with a broken heart. Get yours now while quantities last. Also this week from Fright Rags, Just released two brand new shirts and one classic reprint of Bella Lugosi's iconic Dracula. Sink your teeth into them only at Fright-Rags.com. And Nightmare University listeners can get 10% off with their first order using the code NIGHTMARE10 at checkout. Again, that's 10% off using NIGHTMARE10 at checkout at www.Fright-Rags.com. Need Valentine's plans? Fangoria has you covered. From director Joe Bigos comes Fangoria's newest movie, VFW. How do we describe it? It's the Night of the Living Dead meets the Wild Bunch, and then throw in a ton of genre stars that you love, including Stephen Lang, Martin Cove, William Sadler, Fred the Hammer Williamson, George Went, and David Patrick Kelly. Available to stream on demand and in select theaters this Friday on Valentine's Day. And welcome to Nightmare University's Office Hours. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca McKendry. When I'm at conventions and festivals, on panels or on other podcasts, I regularly get asked how did I get my first job for Fangoria? Like, how did I start working there? And it's not a simple nor a short answer. So on this episode of Office Hours, I thought I would talk about how I first started working at Fangoria back in the early 2000s and the importance of following your passions no matter how many obstacles get thrown in your way and never giving up. My path to Fangoria and my ongoing career in the horror industry began back in Virginia. I had finished my undergraduate degrees in film and musical theater, only to find that my parents believed firmly that I would never be employed. And they were probably justified in their worry. My rural Virginia town was not exactly bustling with entertainment careers. Virginia was having a shortage of teachers during this time, and my college was offering a new intensive program where you could get an MA in education in just 18 months if you took classes year-round, including summer and winter breaks. My parents begged me to do this and even offered to pay half. At the time, spending another year and a half in college did not seem so bad. Though I had learned the nuts and bolts of film history and how to stage a thoroughly captivating production of Hello, Dolly!, How to actually find a job in either field was completely beyond my realm of understanding, so I decided to stick around and get a master's in education. 18 months later, I emerged as a certified high school teacher and took the very first position I was offered. I taught English, theater, and film at a high school just outside of Washington, D.C., It was a mixed bag, even from the get-go. I absolutely loved my students, and I absolutely loved teaching and watching them discover new movies and books and explore media. But just as much as I loved actually being in the classroom, I hated everything else. Reports, faculty meeting, team-building conferences, student evaluation reports, pedagogical restructuring committee workshops— I tried to stay with it. My parents were so proud of me during this time. I was making money. My husband and I had just bought a gorgeous townhome, and everything seemed really secure. But I wasn't. I was honestly miserable. Something really wasn't right, and I knew it. I've always had issues with acting impulsively, but this was by far one of the most impulsive things I've ever done, and it was also the best. One day I came home from a three-hour faculty meeting and informed my husband that we were moving to New York City. Why? I don't know. What are we going to do for work? I don't have a fucking clue. And a smile came over his face and he said, okay. The next day I put in notice at school. I would finish out the year and even taught summer school, but on the last day we would be driving straight to New York City. I then called my parents to tell them what we planned to do. And whereas Dave had approached this scenario with a super excited smile and a yes, let's fucking do this attitude, my parents were less than pleased. Okay, they were completely devastated. I heard every excuse they could throw at me to try to derail this decision we had made. You guys just bought a house. You both have great jobs. You have no job in New York City. You don't even know anyone there. And my mother, who only knew about New York City through everything that she'd learned watching Law & Order episodes, was determined that everyone in New York City was a murderer, and there were just corpses laying all over the city, so you were either going to find one or you were the killer. It didn't matter. I was going. My parents were livid and barely spoke to me for weeks. But over the next month, Dave and I sold everything we owned, all of our brand-new furniture that we'd received as wedding presents, the house, our cars, a good chunk of our possessions, knowing that we were headed to a teeny-tiny one-room studio on the upper, upper, upper east side of the city. And on the last day of summer school, we packed up everything we had left into my crappy Honda CRV and we drove to New York. We arrived. Holy fuck, what did we do? The fear suddenly set in. We had no jobs. We had only enough money to cover ourselves for maybe a month or two, and we did not know anyone in the city. We didn't even know where anything was, and coming from the land of Walmarts dotting the landscape, I had no clue how to get basic amenities like groceries and gym socks. Dave quickly took a job at one of the last video stores in New York City, and I began looking for teaching positions. I had gone through all of this and felt like I was going to end up doing exactly what I was doing before, just in a different, bigger, more expensive city. But while certain Searching for jobs, I came across an ad in the paper. This was back when you had to search for jobs in a newspaper. And I came across an ad for the New York City Horror Film Festival. It was happening in just a few weeks. And having always been a diehard horror fan, this perked me up instantly. I found their website and a note that they were looking for volunteers and that the volunteers could see all the films for free. I had absolutely no money at this point, but also nothing going on aside from frantic yet reluctant job hunting. So I reached out and told them I wanted to volunteer. I signed up for as many shifts as they would allow. I figured I would just spend the whole weekend at the festival and that way I'd be able to see every film. I was thrilled to arrive at the legendary Tribeca Cinemas, which was hosting the festivals. And I met the amazing festival staff and my fellow volunteers and then got to work. I had only been in New York City for two weeks at this point and was completely starstruck by everything that was going on. My first night of volunteering, I met Mick Garris and his wife and went out to get them pancakes when they missed their dinner due to a screening. I met Bill Lustig and quizzed him on all the locations they used for Maniac, planning to make a day of touring his former sets. I met Lloyd Kaufman and took a picture with him. I met John Call Buchler and geeked out about Dungeon Master. And in between, I watched amazing movies. This was so much different than anything I had ever encountered before. This wasn't like watching movies back in Virginia at the local mall. I was watching these movies with the people who had made them. And this was absolutely fucking surreal. On the second day of the festival, one of the hosts didn't show up for a panel. And the festival director asked me if I could just go up and do a quick intro. I freaked out. Me? Like, up on stage? Talking? And he responded that he knew I had a film degree and I seemed to be able to put words together. So yeah, just go up and intro the panel. My brain screamed, but somehow I did it. I still have no idea what I said. All I know is that Jack Ketchum was on it and I gushed briefly about how awesome he was. Everyone applauded and I left the stage and the panel started. And I breathed for like the first time in five minutes. What the fuck had just happened? After the panel, the audience left and I went up to clean up the empty water bottles on stage. One of the panelists was still packing up and came over to say hi to me. He shook my hand and introduced himself as Mike Gingold from Fangoria. My jaw dropped. Fangoria. I had been reading Fangoria ever since I was old enough to reach the shelf that it sat on at Walden Books in my hometown. I knew who Mike was, a legend in horror journalism. He said thanks and started to leave. My mind was racing, but then my subconscious bad impulse control took over and I blurted it out. Is Fangoria by chance hiring? And he turned around and said, they might be looking for an assistant soon. He gave me his contact info as well as Tony Timpon's and left. Whoa, just whoa. This was my dream. This is what I was here to do. I had no clue up to this moment, but now I was sure of it. I emailed them both that night with a polished resume and a lengthy diatribe detailing my eternal love of the genre and the magazine. And nothing. Weeks passed. Maybe they didn't need anyone after all. My dream just sat there festering in my brain the entire time. I emailed them again three weeks later just to make sure that they had received the first email and nothing. This time, two months went by. And I had not stopped thinking about Fangoria and how this would have been a childhood dream. By this time, I had taken a job at a yoga studio, checking in wealthy soccer moms and disinfecting yoga mats. It wasn't glamorous to say the least, but at least it was keeping the lights on in our single room apartment. One day on my way to the yoga studio, I stopped by a newsstand for a tea and saw a Fangoria magazine sitting on the newsstand shelf. I had regularly considered emailing them again, but was worried I was getting annoying at this point. But honestly, the fuck did I have to lose now? I got to the yoga studio and emailed them again for a third time now. This time, I made a desperate plea. I detailed my favorite movies, how I had sold everything I owned to get to New York City, and that I was willing to get coffee and dump trash for them just to work with them at Fangoria. And within an hour, I got a response from Tony Timpone. They were looking for an assistant for the Fangoria radio show. I had an interview, and the following week, I found myself answering phones for Dee Snyder and Debbie Rashawn. I'll save my decade-long journey at Fangoria for another show. But once working there, I made sure I was indispensable and always enthusiastic, which came super easy because I loved every damn thing I was doing. But the whole reason I tell this story is to celebrate the idea of taking risks, to encourage each other to try something different, follow a dream, try and rebuild your life when something feels like it could be better. Never be afraid to start over again, even if your journey may be a disappointment to others. You only get one trip around this life, and you better make it an amazing one. So today, take a risk. Try something different. Buy the car of your dreams. Make a move. Start the screenplay you've always wanted to write. Plan that new startup business and do it with passion and all the conviction you've got. And it is totally okay to be scared and nervous and feel unsure, but don't let your dream die, no matter how scary or unlikely it seems. Because, to quote the legendary Stephen King, the scariest moment is always just before you start. Have a great night. This is uh, the end of season two of Nightmare University and Office Hours. We will be taking a couple of weeks off. Um, And we'll be back towards the beginning of March with all new episodes in season three. During this time, if you need a Nightmare University fix, you can definitely check out our Patreon page. We will be posting some episodes as well as um, old episode cheat sheets during this time. So please check out the Patreon page and thank you so much. Also, a massive thank you um, for those who have voted in the Rondo Awards so far. Yes, Nightmare University is nominated for a Rondo Award. Please vote for us. You can find this at RondoAwards.com. And uh, we are listed under Best Multimedia Project under Nightmare University. Thank you all so much. Have a fantastic couple of weeks, and we'll be back. You, but you, think you know it all? Well, you don't know nothing Let well, me show you. Nightmare University is a Fangoria Podcast Network original produced and hosted by Rebecca McKendry, producer Natasha Passetta, executive producers Dallas Sonnier and Phil Nobile Jr., associate producer Jessica Safavimer, art and design by Ashley Detmering, sound recording, design, and mixing by David McKendry, music by The Serpentines, for Fangoria, Brandon Winerdi, Jason Koslerich, and Rachel Wilson.